This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 ESPN. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being presented to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors. And the goal that we have is to provide you with some really good local information. This way, you can make some really good decisions about real estate and life. Because there is a correlation between real estate and life. Some people say that is my life, but it's not true. Sports is a big part of it, too. <laughs> anyway, to help me out today, we have the chairman of the Fresno County Board of Supervisors, Nathan Magzig, here. Good morning. Good morning, Don. Thank you for having me today. Oh, yeah. It's always a pleasure because you're always full of good information. So, uh, in fact, a lot of that is because you have quite a background in real estate and housing, uh, along with being an elected official. Um, you were, for a long time, in charge of an organization called CURE. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. I was blessed back in 2002 with an opportunity to get involved with a nonprofit organization. It was a nonprofit development uh, company that built affordable housing. So for about nine and a half years, I got to work throughout the Fresno County region as well as Madera region building affordable housing projects. What was so amazing about this organization is we worked with banks and a lot of banks were able to get what's called CRA credits, Community Reinvestment Act credits, because they would give our organization uh, uh, low interest financing so we could go out and provide housing for people who lived in disadvantaged areas. So at, as you know, I'm preaching to the choir here, but the quickest way for people to develop wealth is to own a home. And so our organization recognized that, and we wanted to provide a pathway for people who were low income to be able to move away from having to rent units and own their own house. Okay, we hear the term an awful lot, affordable housing. How is that defined, or what, what is it? That's a great question. For our organization, how we defined uh, affordable housing is we would provide housing for people who were making at or below 80% of area median income. So at the time when I was working for that organization, a family of four that was making around $42,000 a year or less could qualify for our program. And when they would qualify and uh, they were interested in a particular home that we had, we would sell that home to them below market rate and also have um, different financing programs available, all fixed, uh, uh, fixed financing programs, but we could get them silent seconds using home funds through HUD, and also uh, many banks were able to uh, give them favorable interest rates too. So it was, it was a fixed interest program, so individuals never had to worry about those loans changing after a period of time. And so it provided them stability, and in many cases, they would move into our homes. They would be paying less uh, on principal and interest than they were on rent uh, from where they had moved from. Mm -hmm. in, in a silent second would be a second loan that there are no payments and, what, no interest? So, it, it uh, yeah, silent second is there's no interest on it. Many times the, the individuals would make payments on that silent second because as soon as you pay that off, that second goes away. But you wouldn't have to make payments on it since the second would be recorded against the house 
as the home appreciated in value. If the families ever wanted to move, that's when that second would become due. And it was the same amount, since there's no interest, as when um, they had moved into the home. So they really got to um, uh, gain in the appreciation of the home's value. And that silent second was just a placeholder. When we would get those silent seconds back, we would use them for new buyers that were looking to get into new homes that we had. Just curious, Nathan, have you had the opportunity to see any of these families 10 years later um, that, and see how they did with that, that benefit that they received? You know, um, there is a family that I've continued to stay in touch with, and it, uh, this particular project was a special one. Uh, we got to work with uh, the Escalante family. This particular case was a unique one uh, because this family needed a new home after their home had uh, burned down in uh, Calwa back, I think, in 2006. And the family wanted to live in the same location, and so we came in, were able to uh, clear the site, have a new home built for them, and uh, from time to time, I do keep in touch with that family. They still live in that home. We were able to build them a bigger home. And uh, to this day, the family's very appreciative. So that's, that was 13 years ago. And uh, I still keep in touch with that family. You know, a few years back, well, probably 10 to 15 years ago, I used to work with the housing authority and I would sell some of their homes to, uh, on programs similar to what Cure had. And um, the other day I was driving by a couple of them um, not too far from the downtown area. And I was really happy and proud to see that as far as upkeep on the yard and, and the outside of the house, they were in the top 20% of the neighborhood. So, and this is years, years later. You know, I'm a firm believer that not only do individuals benefit when they own homes, but also neighborhoods as well. So one of the challenges that we recognized when I was working at Cure in the downtown Fresno area is uh, just the number of rental units that are here. And so Cure focused a lot in the downtown area, and we did over 40 projects in downtown Fresno from about 2003 up until 2010. And uh, we would do the exact same thing. We would take a home that was dilapidated, rehabilitate it, or take a vacant lot and build a new home on it, move an owner-occupant into it. And what you get uh, is not only the investment of that particular address, but owners of other homes up and down the street see that investment's going in, and they may put new windows in the home. They may uh, paint their home as well. And so it raises the value not only of that one location, but the entire block. So... As you move more and more owners into areas, you get that uh, uh, pride of ownership, pride of place, and it, uh, that, that saying that goes, uh, rising tide lifts all boats, can be seen in downtown Fresno as the housing authority, other nonprofit organizations like Habitat for Humanity and Cure, the work that they've done, they really have improved a lot of the areas and streets in downtown Fresno. Excellent. Now, you were the mayor and a city councilman for City of Clovis for years. Now you're with Fresno County. What is What would be your advice to a resident who says, wow, three doors down, they haven't mowed their lawn all year. In fact, the last time it got watered is the last time it rained. So not looking good. What should they do or what can they do about that neighbor, other than going and talking to them and say, hey, come on, 
help us out. Well, really, the the first thing I think you need to do uh, is is be neighborly before you ever want to get uh, government involved in a, in a particular situation. Now, if if there's a crisis or an emergency, clearly you need to get uh, you need to get law enforcement involved or uh, fire department looking at uh, uh, your councilman or or board of supervisor, then it may be time to get them involved. But if it's just an issue of, uh, you know, the lawn that's getting a little bit overgrown, maybe you haven't met this this neighbor, you know, go next door, bring them a plate of cookies, introduce yourself to them, and try to develop a rapport there. I'm one who believes that really government should get involved uh, as a last resort. So if if it does come to that, if, if the, the trees are getting so overgrown, the lawn is dead, the grass has gotten so tall that it's a fire hazard, then definitely contact, um, you can contact your council person if it's within a city, you can contact your board of supervisor if you live in a, in a more rural area. And what we can do is get code enforcement involved. Uh, we would send a code enforcement officer out, they would take a look at the property and see if there is a violation in place. And if so, then the, the county or city government would take the necessary steps to get that corrected. Can you just call code enforcement direct, a resident? So um, it depends on the jurisdiction where you reside. If, if you're in the county, I would encourage folks just to call my office and uh, we can, uh, we're happy to assist. My office number for residents who live in eastern Fresno County is 605,000. So if you live within a city jurisdiction, uh, I would encourage you to take a look at uh, your particular telephone book, typically in, in local telephone books or online. If you go online uh, for that local jurisdiction's website, it will list the telephone numbers you need to call for code enforcement. Excellent. And, um, it, and I have seen that so many times, the ripple effect. So when you can get that neighbor three doors down to clean up their yard, fix it up, it has a ripple effect. Everybody seems to, to follow suit. So. You're absolutely right. And community is all about people working together and caring for one another. So it all begins with that individual. When they see a new neighbor moving in, go next door as soon as you can, introduce yourself to that person and just be neighborly. And that develops a rapport, which sometimes is uh, works a lot better than government getting involved because then that sometimes can leave a sour taste in people's mouth yeah that's right um oh is it if you were to call code enforcement or the your councilman or your supervisor does does your name stay anonymous yeah typically you you remain anonymous uh, when when that happens when you work with the county of fresno or work through my office there is anonymity that uh, we do uh, apply but uh, again, the uh, only use that as a last resort. Okay, great. Now you've done other things besides cure and being an elected official. T tell us about that. Sure. So I have a, a consulting business. I've been involved with uh, uh, different uh, construction companies as well as uh, organizations that deal with energy efficiency. So I worked for about five and a half years at Fresno EOC. Worked. Uh, with different community action agencies, uh, founded programs dealing with solar energy efficiency, weatherization of homes and buildings. And so um, out of that, with my consulting business, I still work with clients that need assistance around energy efficiency. The energy efficiency applies to uh, systems like wastewater plants. It could be surface water plants. Uh, and typically the only entities that have wastewater and surface water plants are other cities and counties. But I do work with clients uh, dealing with those types of issues as well. 
in addition to being on the board of supervisors, uh, I'm the uh, the chairman of the retirement board of Fresno County. So we have a nine-member board that manages just under $5 billion and also sit on what's called the Selma Kingsburg Fowler Sanitation District, dealing with uh, a sewer plant there and, and then numerous other boards. But I think that's enough information for now. <laughs> All right. And when we get back from our commercial break, I want to ask you a lot about the breakdown of the differences in our different government entities such as the what does the county do versus what the state does what the cities do so i, I want to get into that so that all our listeners have and i have a better understanding of that so stay tuned to welcome home radio 940 espn Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And here in the studio with us today, we have the chairman of our Fresno County Board of Supervisors, Nathan Magzig. Um, and thank you. And you gave us a really good background in the first segment. I'd like to ask you a lot of questions right now about how the, the county actually governs. Because it's different than how the state and the cities and, and the federal government uh, govern. In fact, here was a good one I heard the other day. The federal government can print money if they need more money. The states can tax if they need more money. But counties have to either raise fees or cut services. So you guys are the bad guys when you cut the services. Yeah, so at the local level, what's interesting, too, is at the local level, at cities and counties, I would say, if I had to put a percentage on it, 80% of the services that people get from government come from local government. The roads you drive on are provided by local government. The uh, uh, law enforcement that responds if you have an emergency, it's a police department, it's a sheriff's department, typically. And looking at the fire departments that respond if there's an emergency, those fire departments typically, if it's within a city, are uh, put together and paid for by cities. If it's the county, some counties have their own uh, fire districts. Others, of course, have contracts with Cal Fire. So uh, it is a challenge because at the local level, we're expected to provide a majority of services. And you're right, if, if we want to generate more revenue, we have to call a, a 218 election, which means we have to put that a measure out to the vote of the people. And if the public passes it with two thirds of a vote, then that added service um, is uh, is applied. But you're right at the federal government. If you look at the national debt right now, it's right around twenty two trillion dollars. And if you look at uh, if you look at the state, you know, the state right now, if it needs more money, uh, they just uh, raised gas taxes. But again, at the local level, um, we, uh, we maintain a very tight ship. We have to live within our means. And I'm one, I, I call myself a fiscal conservative. I believe that government does have the resources it needs. And looking at Fresno County and looking at our cities, I think we do a pretty good job providing excellent services to our residents. I'll, I'll back that up. I, I think we do really well here. And, and what are some of those, the, what are the basic services that, that a county provides? So at the county level, there are services that um, are not provided by cities. So really that there's an expectation at the county that uh, with, with the sheriff's department, the sheriff's responsible for the county jail. So as individuals are arrested, 
uh, at uh, within cities or the county, they're all brought to the county jail. And also, if you look at uh, the county, the county is responsible for providing funding to the district attorney's office and also to the public defender. So regardless if these people were arrested in the county or the city, if they're being prosecuted, it's being uh, handled by our uh, district attorney's office, who is uh, our current district attorney is Lisa Smitkamp, who is um, elected by the residents throughout the county. The sheriff is Margaret Mims, and she's elected countywide. And so those are just a couple of examples, and there's many, many more examples where the, the county has jurisdiction over um, overall throughout the county, regardless if, if there is a, a challenge that's created within a city. So again, criminals know no bounds, but if they're arrested within a city jurisdiction, it's still county services that make sure that they are uh, charged and prosecuted appropriately. Well, now they can know the bounds if they know the different street signs between the counties and the cities. Yeah, the street signs are colored a little bit differently, <laughs> I will say that. All right, I shouldn't be tipping anybody off there. <laughs> Unless you're a good person, then, then uh, do pay attention to the street signs. That'll tell you where you're at. Now, I've also noticed, and, and you mentioned about the elected officials, and as a mayor of a city, you dealt with appointed uh managers and then in the county you have elected managers or the sheriff the district attorney the uh, tax collector how different is that it is it is very different it uh, creates some challenges because again at the city level the bucks uh, truly stops with the the mayor and the council because everybody under them yeah, for the most part is uh, is appointed by the mayor and or council to those uh, positions but you're right, about a third of the department heads at the county level um, are elected themselves. The Board of Supervisors is responsible for the budget of the entire county and the budgets for all of those duly elected um, offices. But beyond that, the, those, um, those elected officers of those departments, whether it be the assessor recorder, the tax collector's office, the, the elections clerk office, um, the sheriff or DA, um, they manage those offices independently. The Board of Supervisors still sets county policies that apply, that apply to all employees, but the day-to-day -day operations are run by those um, elected individuals. And then you have appointed offices like the Department of Social Services that is appointed by the county CAO with the approval of the Board of Supervisors, the health officer, um, the uh, individual, the public works uh, department official also is, uh, is appointed by the CAO. So it does create, uh, it's a little bit more complex at the county level, but at the end of the day, fortunately for Fresno County, um, the elected officials that serve at all levels do a great job and the board of supervisors and those other electeds, we get along very well. Excellent. Um, so what, Infrastructure is something that the county uh, uh, and the cities provide, the local governments provide for us. Um, and of course, safety. What about parks, the, the cultural side of it, museums? Oh, you're from Clovis, uh, biking trails. That's something that's dear and, near and dear to your heart. That's correct. So with parks, uh, the, the county has some amazing parks that in my opinion are not utilized enough. 
And uh, if you think about Lost Lake Park, Lost Lake Park is a park of over 300 acres right on the San Joaquin River. There used to be uh, some pretty incredible volleyball games that were played out there back in the 80s, some uh, tremendous matches. But some other, uh, some other parks that are forgotten about sometimes by the public are parks like Winton Park, Avocado Lake Park, and Choi Numney. Choi Numney is closer to Pine Flat Lake, but um, those three parks that I just mentioned are right on the Kings River. So you can go fishing at these parks. There are um, some other areas, uh, some lakes that have been created. The parks are along the Kings River, but there are areas where you can take a canoe out and not go on to the Kings River. And so uh, some calmer areas, if you want to go out and swim, these parks offer those opportunities as well. There are a few places in the state where you can enjoy county parks and also have some of the most beautiful rivers in the entire state that you can also enjoy too. You mentioned, um, you mentioned biking trails. So the county does have some, we have a bicycle master plan that uh, we utilize, and there are some routes that we recognize as being beautiful routes to ride bikes on. We can talk about those a little bit. But uh, yes, the, the county does have a lot of responsibility and works hard to maintain some of the uh, beautiful um, assets that we have in parks and bike trails. Okay, I take pride in knowing my home field and where everything is and everything you mentioned. I knew where it was at except for, so you got to help me out here, Nathan. Where's Winton Park? So Winton Park uh, uh, is uh, right off of Trimmer Springs Road and uh, Piedra Road. So where uh, Piedra um, uh, connects uh, with Trimmer Springs Road, it's right on the corner there. So the quickest way to get to it is if you're on Academy and you want to head east on Belmont, do that. Belmont eventually turns into Trimmer Spring uh, Road, and there is a bridge um, as you continue to head east towards Pine Flat that you'll see um, off uh, on the south side there. And if you make a right, go over that bridge, uh, Winton Park is uh, just adjacent to that. You'll see a sign for it. It's about a 30-acre park. Yeah, and then the Piedra Market is right there. Yes, yes, in that general area. Okay. And then Avocado Lake Park is just a stone throw away from that. I feel a whole lot better now. I've been there. I just didn't realize the name of it. Not a problem. (laughs) Okay. Um, We've heard of a thing called RENA. Tell us about that, the regional... Regional Housing Needs Assessment. That's it, yeah. Uh, well, let's before I get into that, let's take a couple steps back. When uh, right now the state of California is pushing cities and counties to build more housing, and when Governor Newsom was campaigning, one of his commitments was that he wanted to build three and a half million more housing units in, if he had an opportunity to serve eight years. That is, I mean, that is a, a huge commitment on his part. And so RENA, Regional Housing Needs Assessment, basically is a tool that local governments have to abide by where they demonstrate that they have zoned adequate amounts of land to provide for, I believe it's 20 years of future growth. And so in Fresno County, we're, we're somewhat unique because many years ago in Fresno County, the Board of Supervisors decided that they wanted to preserve agricultural lands and they really wanted growth and development to take place within cities. So in the county's general plan currently, it pushes most of that growth and development into cities. And so um, that has, that's what the county has been abiding by. 
But more recently, you can see the governor, the governor has taken issue with many cities. I don't think he's taken issue with any counties at this point, but he's filed lawsuits against cities that aren't meeting um, their RENA numbers, basically having adequate lands zoned for housing. And so Clovis was in the crosshairs of the governor about um, uh, maybe a, a, I don't know, 10 months ago or so. And Clovis was able to bring its, uh, um, its uh, RENA numbers uh, to get those into better standing. And so uh, Clovis, the, the governor, appreciated everything that Clovis did. But basically with RENA and with zoning, cities don't build housing. What cities do is they build infrastructure for housing and they zone lands. Developers are the ones that build that housing. Hard to imagine Clovis not building enough because for years, I mean, building of the building of homes has just skyrocketed in Clovis. Um, so how could they not be meeting their their housing element or getting into the crosshairs? Again, it's it's all about looking at how much land you have set aside over a 20 year period. And um, Clovis did not have enough, I believe, enough zoned land uh, over a 20 year period. So uh, I think that's where they got into a little bit of trouble. But it was they were able to work with the state and bring uh, the, those housing documents into alignment. So it's no longer an issue. And so uh, something that the public really needs to be aware of, local government facilitates growth and it is important for local government to have good planning documents they need to um, if you look at the general plans if, if you want to know how a, a city or a county is going to grow look at the general plan and you can see um, uh, you can see how that local government is planning for future growth so uh, that's pretty much all that local government does the development community recognizes opportunity they recognize the market and then they will build in communities where they're confident that they can have uh, a population that's going to be buying their housing. And what does the public look for when they buy housing? Well, not only do they want to live in a, typically a safe community, but they want to have good schools because a lot of people who are buying homes have kids or they're going to start families of their own. And so they look for things like um, uh, good places to go, good parks, good safe community, good schools. And um, developers want to move to locations like that where they know that the public is definitely going to want the product that they're going to build. So the counties put out the infrastructure that should attract developers to, to build homes. Well, really, um, the, the cities should uh, build that infrastructure uh, so developers want to build homes. Because, again, in the county of Fresno, what the county has done is they rely on the cities to really be building that housing because with housing developments the county of fresno is six thousand square miles it's a huge place and fresno county right now is the number one agricultural producing region in the world and so uh, this board of supervisors recognizes that we need to preserve agriculture and it's important for us to push that growth into cities that way we can preserve agriculture as much as possible and when we get back from this next commercial break, I have some really good housing stats for you for Fresno County. So um, that should put a smile on your face, Nathan. All right, so stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 ESPN. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. 
And here in the studio is Nathan Magzig, the chairman of our Fresno County Board of Supervisors. How, how many supervisors? In Fresno County, we have five supervisors. And you each have your own district? That's correct. In Fresno County, um, we uh, do have districts, and each supervisor represents their respective districts. So um, two of the supervisors represent uh, a majority of the city of Fresno. Um, uh, they do have little pieces of Clovis. Uh, Steve Brandau represents kind of the north end of Fresno and um, a Fig Garden, which is a rural community that's not part of the city. And then Brandau also has a little piece of uh, uh, northwest Clovis. And Sal Quintero has kind of the, the middle of the city, kind of the downtown area. And then he has, uh, he, he moves east and he also has a little piece of Clovis as well. I have eastern Fresno County, the, the largest district geographically. Buddy Mendez has the southeast and also he crosses over the 99 and has uh, the southwest part of Fresno County. And Brian Pacheco has the kind of the central west part of the county. Uh, his district includes uh, cities like uh, Kerman. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to voting, do, uh, are, do you only vote inside your own district or do, do you vote for the whole county? So we are elected by our district, but when it comes to voting for issues, we have to always have what the best interest of the entire county is going to be. So clearly there are applicants who want to do projects that are located uh, in all of our districts. And as we contemplate the, uh, that particular application and then we have a public hearing for it, we weigh all the issues and then uh, we vote uh, based upon what we believe is going to be in the best interest of the county as a whole. And make it a stronger county. So I have to say now, you're wearing a hat that says, stronger counties, stronger America. That's right. That's right. Because I firmly believe that uh, when, it, when it comes to government, I'm one who believes that government is actually better when it's focused at the local level. I think uh, government has gotten way too uh, large at the state and federal level. Uh, there's a lot of bureaucracy. I'd like to see that shrink back down, return as much of the power to the people. And uh, at the local level, the local electeds, your school board members, individuals who, who serve on special districts, individuals who are your city council members, your mayors, your uh, board of supervisors, you meet these people in the supermarket. If you have an issue, you can go and, and talk to them. But when was the last time that uh, you, know, you met your governor? When was the last time uh, you met your president of the United States or your, your congressperson? So really, I believe that the state and federal government has just gotten way too big and uh, the reason I wear this hat is I try to remind people that 80 plus percent of the, the, the government uh, that they receive daily is provided at the local level. Mm -hmm. And that is a really good point. I ran into the mayor of Fresno, Lee Brand, at the grocery store and we talked for a few minutes. And, and it, so you're not you're more likely to run into that than you are the president or the governor. That's right. So. And if you look at issues that affect us, you know, people sometimes have uh, challenges with a pothole in their street or a crack in their sidewalk. Um, and, and so they'll they'll call their local elected official to get that to get that handled. But you don't see uh, too many people calling Washington because uh, they have concerns that uh, the federal government is deficit spending one trillion dollars a year. So uh, there's a there's a big disconnect. At least I believe that is the case. So. I believe in local government. Well, and we believe in local real estate. 
And so when you read the paper or you hear on the news that housing is up, housing is down, a lot of that depends on what locality you're talking about. Um, and we often say here on this show, it might it, real estate is like the weather, but we may change it to real estate is like the government. Now, we'll stick with the weather. Uh, <laughs> and that is it might be cold and rainy in Michigan and warm and sunny here in California. So um, here's some real estate stats for you. And because you're with Fresno County, I brought Fresno County stats. So for the first three quarters of this year, there was 6,631 sold properties, residential properties. So excluding commercial and agricultural. The median price was 275,000. Now, that should put a smile on your face because in 2014, five years ago, there was 5,680 sales. So we are up 1,000 sales in that five years. Uh, the median price went up from 200,000 to 275,000. Now, that's a 27% increase in, in the, uh, the median home price divided out over five years that's sustainable growth four five six percent per year is what we've been doing it's not like 2004 2005 when we were doing 27 percent each year so this one seems sustainable now for those people who say oh yeah but the market's down okay let's compare 2019 and 2018 we are down in the number of sales. 2018, for the first three quarters, there was 7,088 sales compared to our 6,631 for 2019. So that's a drop of about, what would that be, about 4 or 5%. However, the prices went up, but just a small amount. They went from 265,000 in 2018 to 275,000. So up about $10,000. So it seems healthy. Um, and it's, it's a good analogy might be that, yeah, the sales dropped uh, from 2018 to 19, but we dropped from 70 miles an hour down to 65 miles an hour in a 55 mile zone. So we're, we're still above normal. You know, for me, something I like to, I think is important to look at is not only the, the sales information, but uh, the inventory of homes and how long are homes sitting on the market. So right now, um, I was talking to a realtor not that long ago, and I asked them about inventory, and I don't know if you have those numbers in front of you, but I believe maybe you have a, a two-month or so inventory of, of housing in, in Fresno County. And if you look at other cycles, you know, there were times where we've had, um, you know, you've had eight months or nine months. The scary thing is, is when you have more inventory and homes are sitting longer, um, then you start having price uh, prices falling. So uh, right now we're in a period of time where we're seeing some pretty sustainable appreciation of homes. There's low inventory out there. So um, it is a, I think you would call that a seller's market if I'm not mistaken. And if you're thinking about wanting to sell your home, uh, right now is a fantastic time. And I would encourage your listeners to uh, seek out a, uh, a realtor that they trust and uh, list your home now because now is a great time to sell. You know, I, I couldn't have said that any better, and I'm the realtor. 
<laughs> Just wanted to give you a plug, Don. <laughs> well, you did that for uh, all the realtors in Fresno County. Um, yeah, it, it is a good time because inventory. In fact, I'm going to suspect my idea. The reason we have a few less sales, 5% less sales this uh, this period than, than the last, there's less good homes to sell. And um, when you take a buyer out, it's not easy to find something that's prepared and ready to go and priced well. There's just not a lot of them. I, re I remember back 20 years ago, let's say even before the big boom of the early 2000s, so let's say 1999, you, you could show a, a buyer says, well, I'm looking for a four-bedroom home in the Hoover High School District. And you could show them houses for weeks and it'd be different houses each time because there were so many to show. Not the case now. You, uh, you might run out of homes in one or two showings but that's not it's not bad because there's still a, enough homes out there to satisfy the demand in addition to that looking at the market we're in right now too i am i'm encouraged by it because in the in the 2000s which i do remember because i was building homes at that time what we were seeing was a lot of people out there buying homes and flipping them there were people who were uh, putting deposits down on new homes and when the homes would be finished four or five months later, they'd never move into them. They would immediately turn around and sell those homes. And because there was so much appreciation in the housing market that was unsustainable, it created a bubble, which eventually did pop. Today, as we look at the debt load of a lion's share of um, Americans, the debt load is still sustainable. Being on the, the retirement board, I'm always concerned about what the markets are doing. And we've seen a tremendous amount of volatility. Some of that's due uh, because of uh, trade and tariffs, uh, what's going on in Congress, uh, the impeachment hearings. So some of that volatility is being caused by a lot of that. But there's a lot of encouraging news out there. You take a look at the overall economy of the United States. We're still seeing growth. We're, st we're still seeing jobs being created. The last report that came out, I believe there was 135,000 new jobs created in the month of September. So while that's slowing a little bit, that's to be expected when unemployment is at 3.5% nationwide. So I am encouraged by what's happening in the market. It can always be doing better, but I believe that as we get through the, the issues of tariffs, as we get through the issues of uh, these impeachment hearings, um, and as we get through this next election cycle, I believe uh, 2020 and 2021 could be tremendous, tremendously strong years, not only for our nation, but right here in Fresno County. So uh, I'm excited. And looking at interest rates right now, because of the volatility that's out there, because the feds have been, been cutting interest rates, and um, really the volatility is driven 30-year mortgages, 15-year mortgages down. If you want to buy a home, right now is probably the best time to buy because of interest rates and um, also because just looking ahead, I believe um, I see continued appreciation of, of uh, private property. How many years ago did you buy your first home? I bought my first home in 2013, or excuse me, 2003. 2003. And yes. what was the interest rate? Do you remember? Yes, I do. So the first mortgage was 5.75, which at the time I was super excited because uh, 5.75 on 30-year fixed, uh, my builder at the time said, Magsig, you are never going to find interest rates this low ever again. 
And so since then, I have refinanced uh, my home, and now I have a 15-year mortgage, which I got into about four or five years ago, and my interest rate is 3.125. Wow. That's amazing. And I remember when um, interest rates dropped to 8%. By the way, my first one was at 12%. Congratulations. Yeah, and and I was excited about that. But... um, then I remember refinancing when it got down to seven and a half. And I remember the loan officer telling me, you know, it can't get much closer to zero than this. <laughs> you probably were dancing when uh, you got to refinance at seven and a half. That's right. That's right. Well, with that, we're going to go to our last commercial break. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 ESPN. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, where we are taking care of business. And we have Nathan Magzig here with us. Nathan just gave an address at the state of the county and um, in taking care of business there. Tell us, tell us about that. What, what did you address? Well, every year the county of Fresno has what's called the state of the county, and it is a luncheon that's uh, hosted by the Fresno Chamber of Commerce. And there was a lot to talk about at the state of the county. Some highlights, I talked about Fresno County is the number one, has become the number one agricultural producing region in the world. And we were in that position in the early and mid 2000s, but lost that spot to to Kern County for a number of years, but we just regained that back. I also talked about a, a project that is moving forward we have the old umc campus in escrow right now with a a group called cmg they're working to revitalize that whole campus and want to build about 400 uh, housing units there at that location so that's something which is pretty exciting that has to be because that's a huge area a lot of buildings that can probably be rehabbed too or correct so over 30 acres they want to take the hospital which the county has not been using for about 12 years they want to completely gut the hospital and they believe that's they can add those 400 housing units within the hospital repurpose it and uh, have mixed-use housing there so that's very exciting in addition to that uh, we I, I spoke a little bit about the budget of the county which the the budget that we just approved is at 3.7 billion so the the county is so large and we're involved in so many different things that the when you hear that number it's just staggering because compared to like the city of fresno city of fresno is the fifth largest city in the state their budget's around 1.2 billion so you know with with our budget being so much larger it is uh it's kind of mind-boggling and but i focused the the at the crux of my message was actually the employees of the county because sometimes we forget as elected officials or the public that really the the people who make the county of fresno work are its employees and the county has over 7,000 employees that work in that in the ag commissioner's office They work in uh, law enforcement, they work to deliver social services, they work in the health department, and many, many other departments, the roads division, public works. And so what I did is I highlighted four employees uh, where their department heads had sent me, all department heads sent me stories, and I picked four employees I wanted to highlight, people who exemplify Fresno County, not only when they're on the job, but when they're off the job. I gave a story, um, one quick story. There was a, uh, is an officer by the name of Quentin Hall, and last year 
my uh, office called the sheriff's department. We needed uh, uh, him to provide a well check, and there was an issue at an elderly woman's home in Tarpey Village. The officer got there, recognized there was a homeless issue behind her property. They got that cleaned up, but they also realized the woman needed a new fence. She needed trees trimmed. So this officer took care of all of that in his time off. I found out about that. I wrote a huge letter to the sheriff saying, this is incredible that we have an employee in your department doing these types of things. And from that, I knew at the state of the county this year, I needed to really brag and talk about and focus on the employees of Fresno County that are doing work like that, and the public isn't even aware. Wow, that's something. It, and just like I talked about the ripple effect of if you clean up your yard, take care of your home, it has a ripple effect. I'll bet great actions like that have a ripple effect. And again, there are dozens of stories that I didn't get to tell where uh, employees of Fresno County are involved with nonprofit organizations in their time off. Um, when they're working um, at the county, they represent our mission very well. And our mission is simple. You know, the county wants to deliver excellent services to its citizens. We can only do that to the extent that our, we have excellent employees working for us. And the county has exactly that. Can you give us what you feel are the greatest accomplishments and the greatest challenges in the county today? The, the greatest challenges in the county, there are a lot. What comes to mind uh, immediately is water. So water is the biggest issue affecting not only Fresno County, but I would say the entire Central Valley. Because if we don't find ways to develop new water storage, we cannot grow into the future. We're dealing with the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act currently, which was passed by the state. We have to find ways to come into water balance. And so we need more above ground and below ground storage facilities. So water is the top issue, top challenge facing Fresno County. Some of the greatest accomplishments I would say is uh, when it comes to visioning and preparing for the future, the county right now has been revitalizing buildings, acquiring new facilities. We've got a new DA um, a site that uh, is under construction right now by a private developer that is going to be ready for occupancy sometime next year. So the county is making a tremendous investment right now in facilities and infrastructure, which is very much needed. So that is a big positive that's taking place at the county. All right. Thank you. Let me turn that to housing. What are the biggest challenges in housing for Fresno County and the, our best accomplishment? So as you mentioned earlier, right now the um, kind of the median price of homes for 2019 is about $275,000. And so looking at that, it's important that we make sure that uh, uh, wages and jobs that are here can help support people buying those homes. So a big challenge that we face is that we have more and more mandates coming down from the state when it comes to housing. And so before a developer can even put a shovel in the ground, they're into a lot, sometimes close to $100,000 or more. And so with that, we need to make sure that we have a balanced approach when it comes to fees being charged and uh, just what the uh, market can afford to pay for a new home. Wow. So if it's a $300,000 home that a builder's building, it could be almost $100,000 in cost before they even put a shovel in the ground. Correct. Wow. That would be a challenge. <laughs> How about what are what are the big accomplishments in housing for Fresno County? So some big accomplishments around housing. One project I'd like to talk about in Fresno County is uh, we have Millerton Newtown, which was approved back in the 80s. But we're seeing a lot of development right now up in that area of, of Millerton Newtown. 
So it, that's exciting because it is a very difficult process to make all that come together because you have satellite plants, you've got surface water treatment plants that all have to be built and maintained appropriately. But that, I would say, is the biggest accomplishment that uh, the, the county has today. All right. Well, thank you very much, Nathan, for coming in and uh, sharing your knowledge and your experiences with all our listeners. Um, we know a lot more about Fresno County today. So thank you. And thank you to all our listeners for tuning in. We really appreciate it. And we'll be back again next Saturday from 9 to 10 on 940 ESPN.